0: Hello, my name is Sarah Jane Smith and I'm a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner. This technique achieves the deepest possible level of hypnosis. This unique way of hypnosis is a very powerful tool which can help people with mental, emotional and physical trauma. This therapy is so powerful that all you need is one session. You can get answers to all of your life questions
1: First, we'll get an understanding of what caused the issue so that healing can begin. Expand your consciousness and remember who you truly
0: are. Are you ready to unlock the potential of your soul and free your mind?
1: you so, say, well, hold on, you're telling me that you have to keep reincarnating onto this planet to learn lessons to reach a point of enlightenment where you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, okay. Well, according to mainstream science, planet Earth, when compared to the projected size of the universe, is by comparison a billionth of a pinhead. So what you're saying is, we have to keep incarnating onto this billionth of a pinhead, when all infinity is beyond it. To learn lessons so we don't have to keep Incarnating onto this building, it makes no sense. What's going on? It makes no sense. Hello, David Ike. It is such an honor and
0: a pleasure to be speaking with you. I've followed your work for many years, and uh, it's just—I'm really looking forward to being able to have a conversation with you. How are you tonight, sir?
1: I'm good, mate. Yeah, a, a long way from you, both in uh, miles and time. It seems. You're early but- morning, and I'm and I'm just about thinking of bedtime a little bit later, but not long. But not
0: so far in our view of the world. I've followed your work for many years. In uh, 2012, I was in bed with a work injury and uh, took the opportunity to watch some programs and learn a few things. And I watched your presentation from Wembley The Lion Sleeps No More. All right. And it was so impressive to see you speak for six hours. I didn't even pause it or stop to use the restroom. I watched it straight through and then rewound it and watched parts of it again. Magnificent work. There are uh, very few people that can captivate, enthrall, and inspire an audience for six hours. And... You're yeah, well, you're
1: the, certainly the, one of them. the 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 six hours um, may have been on the video, but I actually spoke for nearer a, near a ten. So, and, and you know, people think um, who don't see it. How is that possible? Uh, but the point is, what we think we know about the world is so not how it is, and there are so many elements to why it's not how it is and how it really is that, you know, I could talk for 20 hours really um, yeah. on all these different aspects of it. Cause in the end they all fit together. And I think um, what's interesting to me, uh, observing since the turn of the COVID hoax era is how many people, first of all, are just opening their minds to the fact that the world's not like they thought it was, which is a fantastic Uh, encouragement to those of us who've been going at this for a long time, but also how many people are now beginning to open their minds to things they would have just waved away Mm -hmm. in contempt and ridicule before. And what I mean by that is um, people are starting to realize as events unfold, that what we're looking at is an anti-human agenda. When you look at every aspect of it, it's anti-human. It's targeting the nature of the human body through these (coughs) fake um, synthetic vaccines. It's targeting the atmosphere. It's targeting the food chain. It's targeting water uh, supply. Uh, it's targeting um, every element. It's target, targeting carbon dioxide, yeah. of life, without which we'd all be dead because there'd be no food, there'd be no natural world. So every element, every area you're looking at is an anti-human agenda. And then you look at the radiation um, aspect to this, the technologically generated radiation, and these low orbit satellites from people like Elon Musk and others, but primarily him—well, say him—he's the front man—and um, all these towers that are going up, they're actually changing dramatically the electromagnetic field which we're supposed to be living in. And yeah. you know, I'm now just past seventy, and uh, the electromagnetic technologically generated radiation in the the atmosphere, the field that we're interacting with, compared with when I grew up in the 1950s, is absolutely fantastic. And so people are starting to look at this and go, well, actually, maybe it's not so crazy that ultimately there's a non-human force behind this, because that would explain why at every turn The foundations of human life are being targeted.
0: Would you have if you would go back to young David Icke, the time when you were a young footballer and someone would have told you. In the future, when you get on an airplane, you will have to show four forms of I.D. In order to get on an airplane, you will have to take off your shoes and your belt and go through different levels of security where they paw through all your stuff, if they would have told you in order to fly, you have to have a mandatory vaccine in order to play football, you would have to have a mandatory vaccine that people would believe that carbon dioxide is is a uh, poisonous gas on and on. Would you have believed that at that time? And it's it's amazing how much life has changed. And would you have believed that you would be speaking of such things to millions of people around the world and tens of thousands of people in Wembley
1: Stadium for eight hours. No, um, but in this uh, new book I've just got out called The Trap, um, the first three chapters are biographical. And I go into all this and how my life unfolded. And I, I thought from, a, from an early age, I was a very, you wouldn't believe it now, but I was a very diffident kid. Um, I didn't have a lot of confidence. And so when I talk about people in the little me mode, I've got no power. What can I do? Um, I understand how they feel because I was like that uh, when I was a kid. Um, But then (laughs) throughout my childhood, I had this feeling and I I couldn't, um, I couldn't kind of words to it, but I had the feeling that I'd come to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what, but I was—I'd come to do something. And then I became quite good at football, and um, I wanted to be a professional footballer. And I thought, well, that's it—that's what I've come to do. That's this feeling of some kind of destiny that I've got. It's being a footballer. Um, I, but when I look back at my life. From the moment that I had my big wake-up call in 1990, 1991, I look back at my life, and if other people did that, they'd see the same. That while it seems like that's the old life, and then suddenly the new life emerges, actually they're seamlessly connected. Yeah. So when I when I look at what I needed um, in my uh, my life since 1990. My previous years um, gave them to me. So I wanted to be a professional footballer, and I, I played a professional football, and then I got rheumatoid arthritis. And I was so determined not to give up, even though all the doctors said, you know, you can't play again, you'll be in a wheelchair in your 30s. Uh, I, I continued to play professional football. Mm-hmm. And every morning when you know, you're on a cold winter's wet, damp morning, you were doing the warm-up for training. Uh, I was in agony every morning and I had to invent um, different reasons for why I was limping.
0: I was a professional uh,
1: footballer. Oh yeah. yeah, I've got a bit of a pull. I'll be all right in a minute. Oh no, I've got a bit of a blister coming on, you know, that sort of thing. But all the time it was the arthritis. And you know, what that did, that that year or two years of that was trigger in me a fierce determination not to give in, not to give up, no matter what the odds. Uh, and then I moved um, later into journalism, newspaper journalism, radio journalism, television journalism. That gave me an understanding of the media, which, bad as it was then, it wasn't anything oh, close yeah. to how it yeah. is now. And then um, the synchronicity of my life um, took me to join the Green Party in Britain. And literally, I told the story in the book, it's just ridiculous. Within weeks, I'm a national spokesman for the Green Party in mm. Britain. I went to join the party a few weeks earlier. you know. And what that gave me was, A, to see the inside of the Green Movement, which was nothing like as appalling as it is now. They still cared about the environment then. Now they care about nothing except um, global warming climate change. Wokeness. And and whether birds are being killed by wind turbines or birds are being killed in phenomenal numbers now by um, being choked by the masks that are everywhere. The fact that there are masks everywhere does not matter to the Green Party. It would have done when I was in it, but it, it doesn't now. But it also showed me the inside of politics and what an absolute irrelevance it is to the world in terms of positive change. And I was within the Green Party and I watched as a party that claimed to be different, that claimed to be a new politics, was actually operating in exactly the same way as the old politics, just calling it a different name. So all these things were happening to me before I uh, had my big conscious awakening to uh, uh, see the world in a different way, and they've all been phenomenally uh, useful in the in the time that's passed uh, since I uh, since 1990. So w- when we look at our lives, not all of us, if we if we um, if, if we observe them, before the wake up came, the preparation for the wake up was already coming.
0: Yeah. Hold, hold your book up again And let's talk about this And uh, put a plug in for it It's The Trap This is out September 1st But you can order it right now
1: Yeah, well It's um, it's in America now, actually um, oh. it, it, You know, getting things across the Atlantic Now, as you well know uh, In terms of shipping and supply chains Is difficult But it's in America It's at the warehouse It's being shipped now uh, So people can, can get it And get it very quickly now Okay The Um, trap. I'm currently reading your uh, previous one,
0: Renegade Minds. All your books are fantastic. So, uh, for our subscribers, order the trap today. You can order it on Amazon, or just use your search engine. What What is the trap, David? What's the What's the premise? You can get it at davidike.com. That will get it to you. uh, Okay, davidike.com. Best way to do it. Two days. Okay, we'll have our editor put that up across the screen. Davidike.com.
1: what, um, what the trap's about is, is this, really. Uh, there was an ancient Greek philosopher called Socrates who is quoted as saying, words to the effect of wisdom is knowing how little we know. Now, I've always worked on that. I've always worked on that uh, attitude to life. The fact that whatever we think we know, there's always more to know. There has to be. When you hmm. think of the ridiculously almost laughably narrow band of frequency visible light that we can actually see we're basically blind to the infinity of reality we can only see a very narrow band it's like living in a television channel all the other channels are are in the same space but you can't see them because you're not on their wavelength yeah uh and and so um this Perception that we can see everything there is to see in the space that we're looking at is simply not supportable by the evidence. So we're being told that um, we can basically know everything we need to know. You know, don't worry, your little heads, we'll tell you what you need to know. Uh, when we can only see a fraction of infinite reality. So what that tells you is whatever we think we know, there's always more to know. And in human terms, massively, infinitely more to know. So my, um, my philosophy is to continually push the cutting edge. So first of all, um, in the early 90s, I started to uncover how the world was not controlled by those that appear to be controlling it. The longer it went on, the more I uncovered the agenda, which is now clearly unfolding, uh, for um, the global centralized subjugation of the human population. So then I thought, well, okay, but this can't have been going on for five years, 50 years, or even much longer. This has to have been orchestrated for a very long time. So you start to chart it back, and you go through the Roman Empire, you go into ancient Babylon and uh, Sumer, and you realize that actually what's been happening is that a a secret network, if you like, um, has been gathering more and more power by um, moving from one area of the world or two areas of the world to a global situation, a global control situation, which they're pretty much where they are at the moment. And they've done that by a simple process of centralization of power. So there was a time when humans organized themselves in tribes and the members of the tribe decided what the tribe did. There then came a, uh, a point where lots of tribes came together under the heading of nation. And now a few people at the center of the nation are dictating to all the former tribes that form that nation. In Europe, now we've moved to another level of that, long ago now, the European Union, in which all the former nations are now centrally dictated by bureaucrats in Brussels. And then you have the other trading blocks and groupings that are pretty much doing the same. Um, And so, The more you centralize power, this is the whole scam, the more power you give to a few over the many. The more diversity of decision making you have, the more devolution of decision making, the less power any central uh, group can have over those decisions because there's too many points to control. That's why they want to centralize everything. And the point is that they're leading to a centrally globally controlled society is what the great resets about world government world central bank world army control of complete control of the financial system uh, and um the uh, the use of technology to uh, externally and internally dictate human behavior through connections and Ukraine, which and, is and the, the the apparent
0: leaders of the nation states, those who were told that we vote for, who who we look up to as the leaders of our nation states, have absolutely no allegiance to
1: the nation state. None. They have an allegiance to the higher power. Yeah, I mean, this is the point. Uh, and you know, when the uh, the big pennies started to drop, was when I um, looked at the big question. Okay, a few people control the world, but how do they do it? And then you see how they do it. It's by a compartmentalised network, where even people quite high in the hierarchy of that network, the secret society network, don't know the real goal of the inner core of the network. Uh, and so, this um, this can be symbolised very simply as like a spider's web around the world with a spider at the center. And the spider, as I'll come to, is not ultimately human. And so the strands in the web immediately around the spider are the most secretive and exclusive secret societies. Many of them don't even have names, makes them harder to track. You come out from that spider and into the web, and now you're meeting the secret societies we do know about, the Freemasons, the inner core of them, the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, the um, Opus Dei, the inner uh, core of the Jesuit order, and so on. Um, and we know they exist, but we don't know the machinations that they get up with, uh, up to, we, but we do see the outcome of that. And then you as you come out from the web, you meet what I call the cusp organizations. This is the point in the web where they're hidden meets the scene. Mm-hmm. And here you've got what I call the uh, cusp organizations, the Bilderberg Group, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, uh, the Club of Rome, which was created in 1968 specifically to exploit the environment and environmental concerns to justify centralization of power. And also in this cusp area of the web, are this absolute explosion of think tanks and non-governmental organizations, not least the Soros uh, Open Society Foundations. And their job at the cusp is to take the agenda for the world from the hidden and play it out in the scene through banking systems, corporations, governments, government agencies, uh, Silicon Valley, the global media, and so on. And what they've done, and as we look at the World Economic Forum of this psychopath, um, Klaus Schwab, um, they actually run uh, courses or schools for young leaders which they then program and prepare and then manipulate them into power. This is why in this uh, COVID era, we've seen a stream of World Economic Forum, i.e. Global Cult, in the name I give to this web, Global yeah. Cult, uh, people, trained people, programmed people, put into positions of political power. People like Macron in France, Trudeau in Canada, Ardern in New Zealand, uh, on and on it goes. Uh, and so the these people are, who are manipulated into power like biden in america talk about manipulated (laughs) played with the election um they um have no allegiance as you say to the country they have allegiance to the cult this global secret society network that put them into power that controls them that owns them and so um you see this coordination of response almost without push back debate or opposition from countries all over the world no more classic example than the covid response which was universal pretty much the world over uh, and so this is this starts to open up the reality of the world and explain the otherwise unexplainable so why would Corporations and the American government in all its different forms have done things uh, over this whole period we've, um, we've experienced to give power over production and the supply chain of the world pretty much to China. Why would they do that? It's not in the interest, clearly, of America to do that. So why are they doing it? They're doing it because... China is the blueprint for the world. It's the blueprint for the global state. Um, And you have this global warming climate change hoax, uh, the hoax of it's caused by humans. And so they say we've got to take measures to um, destroy fossil fuel use in the West. And it's not fossil, it doesn't come from fossils. Yeah, but we don't say um, anything about China. So yes. why? The the so-called Green Movement and Extinction Rebellion and all these people, they should be pointing the finger at China. I mean, I don't buy the, the whole thing at all, but from their perspective, what from what they say they believe, they should be pointing the finger at China, the biggest uh, producer, it said, of uh, carbon dioxide through industrial use, and they're building more coal-fired power stations and so on. The reason is, the reason there's not that outcry is because China is the blueprint of the global system. And the reason for that Uh, in my view, is that the Mao revolution in China was a cult revolution. Mm -hmm. And what they wanted was to create a closed society in which the blueprint for global control could be incubated and prepared and developed, not least developing technology and AI to do it. And so with the COVID hoax out of China, the Chinese system has been played out across the world, across the West, exactly as it was meant to be. And so the Chinese leadership is answering to the cult, just as the American leadership is answering to the cult just as the european leadership is answering to the cult yeah. and therefore they do things that benefit the cult agenda and what benefits that now is to give china all the aces i've been saying now for literally decades that the plan was to bring the west into conflict with russia and china with other countries thrown in like iran and so they're now at war with Russia via Ukraine. They've sent this moron Pelosi out there to Taiwan to poke the Chinese in the chest um, and to, to, to ramp up uh, the, the uh, rhetoric with that. And they are looking for this, um, this West-Russia-China conflict, which, as I've said from the start, China, according to the agenda, is supposed to win. This is why they're running down the American military, why they're woking the American military, while the American military are putting on drag shows, uh, why uh, wokeness and political correctness is destroying the American military, because that's the game. And again, we come back to what you said about their allegiance is not to their country. Why would the American government be destroying energy supply to Americans with all the devastation economically in terms of their lives, and why would they be dismantling the American military just as the Chinese military are getting more and more powerful? Because the plan is to create a global conflict in which the Chinese side wins, and with that plays out its incubated uh, blueprint for global control, across the world. So uh, I, I was looking at all this over the years, and then, like I say, I asked the question, when did this start? And you go back into the ancient world, and then you ask the question, okay, I can see how this has developed through hundreds of years, even thousands of years. I can see how it's developed, and I can see how it's become more and more centralization of power, more and more control for the few, over the many. But you've got people being born, playing a part in advancing this agenda in their era then dying and other other people coming in doing the same then dying other people coming in there had to be a coordinating force that spanned this period this long period from the human perspective that was orchestrating this and that's when the synchronicity of my life um, led me into um, the whole idea of a non-human force behind this, not only a non-human force, but a non-human force that you can't see ordinarily, because it's not actually operating on the frequency band of visible light. It's operating just outside of it, and therefore you can't see it. Hmm. Overwhelmingly, some people do have these experiences, but that's because this force is capable of crossing into this Reality, And when it passes into visible light briefly, then to the observer seeing only visible light, these entities and craft have just appeared out of nowhere. They haven't. And then they disappear into nowhere, but they don't. They just come into the frequency band you can see and then just appear out of nowhere to the observer, and then they leave and seem to disappear into nowhere to the observer, but they've not. They've just left the band of frequency that uh, we can see. And so I've been pushing the, the cutting edge back and back, asking these questions. So where the heck are, is this non-human force? Well, it's so what I've done in the trap is really uh, go into this and look at the... Uh, The the afterlife, you might call it, but Mm. what is the afterlife? It is another band of frequency. And I concluded just after the turn of the millennium that we live in a simulation, that we live in a dramatically more advanced version of a uh, virtual reality computer game. And someone else is writing the rules, and the rules they're writing we call yeah. the laws of physics. Yeah, and I, I said in just after the turn of millennium that I, I believe we live in a simulation, and that the limit of the simulation at our level is the speed of light, which is why it appears appears to be the fastest speed when it's not. And in April 2021, there was an article in Scientific American. By a academic scientist chap, who said that he concluded this is twenty years later that we live in a simulation and that the limit of the simulation is the speed of light, and he um, he related that and I think he's quite right to processing speed. He, he, you know, I've been pointing out for years, and then you know he's been uh, pointing it out too in that article that. When you create a a computer game, a virtual reality computer game, the creator writes the rules. He writes the rules of what can happen and what can't happen and how the game works. And like I say, we call those rules in this simulation the laws of physics. Um, But as this, uh, this guy said, don't matter what you do in terms of writing the rules, the laws of physics, you're still going to be limited by the processing speed of the of the simulation, yeah. which he related, I think he's right, to the speed of light. So then I asked the question, why would anyone come into this simulation? Why would consciousness, souls, whatever you want to call it, why would they come into the simulation? I mean, have you seen it? <laughs> you know? It's a, it's a wild why, ride. Why <clears throat> would you come in at this time, for instance, you know? Yeah. and. And then I thought, well, where do they come from? And I, or where do we come from to come into this uh, simulation? And then I started looking. Well, I have, I've looked at it over a long period of time, 30 years. But I started looking again at reincarnation. And the two things really, one, from the evidence that I've seen and the accounts that I've seen and the phenomena that I've, Uh, seen and read about, reincarnation is a fact. It's real. But then you ask question two, which is, why would then people not only come into this simulation with all its, its, let's be fair, challenges to say the least, not only would you come in and then go, oh dear, I ain't going there again, you come back. And then you ask the question, Uh, or you look at the the Eastern religious uh, explanation of reincarnation and also the New Age explanation, which is kind of the Eastern religions move west. And you say, well, hold on. You're telling me that you have to keep reincarnating onto this planet to learn lessons, to reach a point of enlightenment where you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, okay. Well, according to mainstream science, planet Earth, when compared to the projected size of the universe, is by comparison a billionth of a pinhead. So what you're saying is we have to keep incarnating onto this billionth of a pinhead when all infinity is beyond it to learn lessons so we don't have to keep incarnating onto this billionth of a pinhead. It makes no sense what's going on. Makes no sense. But then, what if this is not uh, anything more than the fact that this level of the simulation is not the only level? What if what we call the spirit world, or that level of it that people experience in near-death experiences and what have you, is actually just another level of the simulation? And what's actually happening is soul's consciousness is being recycled in and out of this reality. Uh, And they believe, because these other levels are also part of the program, that they have to keep doing it to learn lessons to stop doing it. And when you look at ancient cultures and you look at long-held esoteric beliefs going way back, there is a common theme about a form of barrier which you have to traverse Mm -hmm. to get out of this reincarnation cycle. And unless you reach a level of enlightenment, as it's said, you can't do that. So what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is expanded perception of self and reality. And as you expand your perception, not least of self and self-identity, your frequency expands, rises, speeds up with that expansion of self-identity. So there is a meeting, although I disagree with most of it, there is a meeting here at the center that you have to reach a certain level of perception to get the hell out of it. And the there's an old esoteric concept called the ring pass knot. The ring pass knot is like a the outside of a bubble. It's like the the the, the, the simulation. The membrane. At all its at all its levels, yeah, it's like a membrane, like a bubble. And you have to get to a certain frequency, so you get through the uh, through the membrane, through the through the through the, the bubble. And if you don't, because you're in a low-frequency state, which, which can be repelled by this ring pass not perception or concept, then you stay here. And when you look at the whole reincarnation cycle and people coming into this reality, um, they keep coming in. And we're supposed to learn lessons, right? OK. Well, how come we can't remember the lessons we've learned before then? How come we, we basically... Start with a blank sheet of paper. Does that mean we're learning the same lessons we've learned before? I mean, where's this go? And also, because of the experiences we have, not least look at it now, but also through what we call history, people are pulled into this low vibrational state of fear, anxiety, uh, and uh, resentment, hatred, uh, and regret, all these low vibrational emotions, which hold the frequency down. So basically, they're coming in and and they're in a cycle, but because of the nature of the way that cycle is imposing and um, affecting their own emotional, mental, perceptual, thus frequency state, they can't get out of the bubble. They can't get out of the trap. And this is is what they don't want us to know. They don't care what you think about the afterlife, whether you think there isn't one, whether you think it's a religious version of the afterlife, or whether you think it's reincarnation, they couldn't care less. As long as you stay in a low frequency state that can't get out of the bubble, the trap, then they're quite happy with that. It's, and and this is why they um, are are so uh, quick to oppress those and to try to silence those who are seeking to uh, to present a picture that it is a trap, and thus, if we look at how the trap works, we can get the hell out of it and no longer be, be caught in it. And in terms of this non-human force, um People think about other dimensions, and when they do, they think of them being right out there, you know, all these dimensions, they're right out there. Now, in frequency terms, some of them are way out there. In other words, their frequency is far higher than this one. So there is they are out there in frequency terms, big time. But other dimensions um, bleed into this one. They kind of fuse into this one. And if we uh, look at um, what's... The eastern religions and the new age and all such things call the astral dimension and you look what ancient cultures say about the astral dimension and others too in the modern world um then in the lower end of that the lower frequency end of that where it starts to fuse into this one that's the realm they say they call it the lower astral or lower fourth dimension That's the one where the demons are and the demonic consciousness and the the chaos and the inversion and the distortion and the schism, uh, the lack of harmony. And this, in this lower astral dimension, which is very, very close to this one, but not close enough for most people to be able to see it. That's where this world is being manipulated from. That's where the simulation is coming from. David, David, it it occurs to me that uh, having
0: followed your work for many years, um, what I want to ask you is: Has the acceptance of your uh, message have more people been able to accept it now? In the early days, they called you barking mad, oh shapeshifters. But the way you just explained that, it seems that science and technology is catching up to your view. Um, is there more acceptance? among the general population of your message
1: now. Yeah, it, it's fantastically expanded since start of COVID era because what happened once the COVID button was pressed is what I said was coming, uh, came. Uh, and, you know, uh, you're right. Um, it's not just an article in Scientific American. More and more mainstream scientists are saying it does look like we live in a simulation. And when yeah. you take on board that it is, then so many of the great mysteries of physics, of science, of experience um, disappear. And one of, one of the mysteries that disappears is, okay, all the way through this, or most of this 30 years, I've been aware of Satanism, child abuse, mm-hmm. uh, pedophilia, and all that stuff uh, really got... Uh, into now that's coming out into the mainstream. Exactly. But that's when I really got into it. In, in about 96, um, it really kicked off that information was coming to me. Um, and I talked to, I've talked to many uh, former Satanists who told me what goes on. Many mind-controlled people who were used in satanic rituals who told me what's going on. And it's very clear that from the unbelievably common themes, that this stuff is real. They talk about um, these satanic rituals, and and this relates to the the ancient concept of uh, sacrifice to the gods. Okay, sacrifice to the gods. What gods? Where are the gods? Well, the gods are in this lower fourth dimensional realm, which is very close to this one, but not close enough for us to see, though we can feel it. When you go into a a room or a house or a a, place where there's been, uh, you know, these rituals have gone on, you feel it. You can feel the energy uh, that's been generated. And so what they tell me, these people, is that they've taken part in rituals in which um, a sacrifice of a a human, an animal sometimes, but humans, many times kids, have taken place. And sometimes, in the most extreme of them, these entities, these non human entities, have slipped through into our reality. Because one of the, th- the things they do in their rituals, this is why they're still doing the same basic rituals um, as they, the ancients did, is because of the effect it has on the energetic field. They are able to thin out the difference between this reality and the lower fourth dimensional reality. So these Entities can slip through and appear in the ritual, again, albeit not for long. And so when they're doing these rituals to the gods, to their gods, the gods are these fourth dimensional, lower fourth dimensional entities. So then you look at the the Greek gods, Zeus and all these other people.
0: Greek mythology wasn't mythology. It was history. It was
1: describing these fourth-dimensional entities. They were the gods. Exactly. Then you look at at the New Age and the Madame Blavatsky uh, Theosophical Society concept of what they call the Great White Brotherhood, which is a hierarchy of master souls. Excuse me. You're describing the Greek gods, mate. Yeah. Right? and and then you this is this is this is one of the things i've been uh doing uh, over the years is looking for patterns i look for patterns patterns everywhere patterns in daily events but patterns in historical accounts and you see the patterns put aside the names that are used because in different cultures they'll use different names see the patterns see the common descriptions and that's what that that's what's going on and so people uh and this is not just like out there, kind of esoteric contemplating. This is absolutely fundamental, what I'm saying, to understanding current events. So, who's Klaus Schwab? Who's Bill Gates? Who's George Soros? Who are these people that are running the show? Well, they're running the show. They're still gophers, but they're running the show on behalf of people deeper in the web. Who are they? They are. Possessed by these lower fourth dimensional, uh, quote, gods, assets of the fourth dimensional gods. They're mm-hmm. doing the bidding of those gods, yeah. just as the, 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 they've been doing the bidding throughout what we, what we call history and the Roman Empire and all these other places where they worship these gods, even the Greek gods and all the rest of it. These are um, assets of that force. And that's why they do what they do. Now, the fourth dimension, lower fourth dimensional non-human force is evil, which I define as the absence of love, the absence of uh, compassion, the absence of empathy. And so that which is in that state that expresses itself into our world of the scene through the gates and the swabs and the... Kissinger's yeah. and the Rockefeller's and the Rothschild's and the Soros's and the Fauci's, those entities must reflect, clearly do reflect the state of being of that, which controls them, that which possesses them. So you've got you, all these people I've just named. What do they lack? They lack empathy, Empathy, yeah. They lack compassion. They have no soul as you would call it. And they wreak on purpose and get off on it death, destruction, and suffering, all of which create what? Low vibrational energy, which holds people in the trap.
0: Yeah. Have you, these people um, seem to respect intelligence and self-illumination, and I would consider you to be someone who's self-illuminated. Have you had the insiders? take you aside and give you information and tell you, yes, you're on the right track and explain some of this? How did, how did you come to
1: all this knowledge? Well, um, insiders, yes, but insiders who don't agree with it. Uh, people who
0: are driving people it, who People who are in the system, but have a conscience and have empathy. Exactly.
1: Yeah, they have, yes. They have, yeah. But of course, the ones that were doing it haven't. Yeah. Um, and, and they must know by now that if they try to intimidate me, I'll just run out quicker. Uh, and, um, cause I know what they don't want me to know. So, you know, you want to take me to court That's fantastic. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a platform to get out what you don't want people to know. So, um, but how it's worked is this really, um, and that's how this information for the trap, which goes deeper in the rabbit hole than I've ever gone, uh, uh, comes from in, in, in this way. Um, when I was still working as a sports presenter with the BBC um, in 1989, and I was a national spokesman for the Gr- British Green Party, though not much longer then, um, I had this very strange experience. It started in... What would it be? Uh, Yeah, 1989. And it was that when I was in a room alone, I wasn't alone. There was something there. It went on throughout 1989 and into early 1990, to the point where it became so blatant and tangible that I sat in a hotel room in the March, early March of 1990, and I set out into the empty hotel room when I was working for the BBC. If there's something there, would you please contact me because you're driving me up the bloody wall. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later, it was a few days, I was, um, I was out near where I live on the Isle of Wight in the south of England, uh, which is, um, you know, it's kind of a seaside resort uh, in the summer. And I was with my son, uh, Gareth, who was small then, a uh, small boy, and um, he um, went into a newsagent shop, and he was looking at books on steam trains, which uh, which he liked. And I was stopped before I went in by a railway worker. There's a station on the on the on the seafront, to talk to me about football because I worked for the BBC doing sport. And when the um, conversation was was over, I went into the shop um, to tell Gareth, "Come on, we're going to go and get some lunch up the town," and. As I did so, um, it was like my feet were stuck to the ground, like magnets were pulling my feet to the ground. And the atmosphere around me changed. This is uh, early March 1990. And I now realize I didn't then, that actually there was an electro- electromagnetic field that had, was surrounding me. Yeah, All I experienced in my ignorance at that time was... The atmosphere around me has just changed, what's going on. And then I heard going through my, my head, it wasn't a voice, it was like a very strong thought form. And all it said was, go and look at the books on the far side. What? And so I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this bewildered kind of daze, what the hell's going on? Um, and I walked across to the books, I knew where they were, because I went in this newsagent shop a lot. And they were the books they sold were simply uh, romantic novels for people to read on the beach in the deck chair. So I thought, what the hell am I going over here for? But I was intrigued, obviously. So I go over and in among the romantic novels, which all the rest of the books were, was this book with a woman's face on the front. And it was called Mind to Mind by a lady called Betty Shine. So I picked that up because it's different to the rest. And I turned it over, read the blurb, and I saw the word psychic. Hmm. And I thought... And she lived, actually, just across um, on the mainland uh, about an hour and a half from me in uh, near Brighton on the south coast. And so I read the book in 24 hours, and I contacted her to go and see her. Now, I'd never seen a psychic before. I didn't really know where I was going into. But what I told her was, I've got arthritis, and maybe your hands-on Reiki-type healing can help. And that's all I said to her, because I didn't want to, you know... Leader, though, this is what's happened to me. I just told her that. So I went along, and um, after a a couple of, um, you know, kind of hands on sessions, I went the third time. And um, I'm lying on this medical type bench in her front room. She's doing this near my left knee. And suddenly I felt like a spider's web on my face, which I now realize again was an electromagnetic field. Yeah. And what struck me, and again, this was all new to me at the time, was she said that in a book. When other levels of reality are trying to lock into you, you sometimes feel like a spider's web on your face. And and it is an electromagnetic connection. So anyway, I say nothing to the lady. And about, I don't know, a few seconds later, no more, she's launched her head back. And she said, my God, this is powerful. I've got to close my eyes for this one. And what she said then was um, that she was being told to tell me that I was gonna go out in a world stage and reveal great secrets. Now, I'm a guy, I'm presenting sport for the BBC and talking for the Green Party, and I'm gonna go out on a world stage and reveal great secrets. That one man cannot change the world, but one man can communicate the message that will change the world. That I will be guided to knowledge, and at other times, knowledge would put, be put directly into my mind. And many, many other things, all of which have happened. And from the moment, coming around to, you know, how I uh, compile this information, from the moment I left that front room, my life became a synchronistic journey of experience of walking into people, Books, documents, personal experiences, all these different sources of information. And for the first couple of years, I would look at the information that was coming to me. And it was very coordinated. It was like a a subject would come into my life. And suddenly, having not thought about it before, information on that subject is coming into my life. Synchronistically, as I go through my life, through life. And then after about a couple of years, this would be what, 93, about that time, um, it slipped because what I would do before is look at the information and conclude what was going on from that information. What happened after about 93 was I would first conclude what was going on and then information, names, dates, places, facts, information would come synchronistically to confirm the initial this is what I think is going on. And this is what happened with the simulation. Um, I, I you know I just one day I thought this is a simulation. And the limits of it is the speed of light. And then the information followed to support yeah. that, not the other way around. So what what I what I recognize now is when a new subject comes into my life and suddenly information from that subject is coming from all angles, then I know it's something to go with because I've gone with it before and it's always turned out to be true and accurate. And what happened in the the period of the trap, when I was writing the trap, is that suddenly this whole thing about the afterlife, what is reincarnation? What is this cycle? Who are these gods and where are they? All these things that we you know we chatted about so far, that started coming into my life. I mean, it kind of had before, but this was really focused on that. And then information started coming from all different angles on the same subject, which, which was pushing me in that direction. And if it was happening to me for the first time, you go, "Well, I don't know what's going on, what's going on." But because it's happened to me so many times, I recognized it and went with it. And it's 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 just opened so many doors to understanding of what this reality is, how it's controlled and how we get the hell out of it. And it seems like everything that Betty Shine told you
0: in that initial reading has now come true. It absolutely has. Yeah. Did you um, find uh, comfort in that when she in the early days? Would you fall back on what she told you and and realize that you had a purpose? It, It was not easy for you in the beginning, was it?
1: Now, it wasn't easy for me for a long time because all I got was oof, historic levels of ridicule. But yeah. you see, um, the, the journey of uncovering knowledge and the personal journey of self-development, they're not isolated from each other. They are expressions of each other. Because the more you awaken, the more you open, the more information can be fed to you. So it's a two-way thing. So not only are you working to uncover new understanding, you're working on yourself and removing the the, the programs that we all have um, because we've been, you know, we're, we're subject to lifelong programming. So you, you you're clearing out the programs, which allows more and more knowledge to come in from higher levels of reality, which the programs are shutting out yeah. by keeping you in a low vibrational state, and. Um, then uh, you, uh, you then um, transform yourself on the journey of transforming your understanding. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, I went on a program, it was a primetime BBC program, in 1991, early 1991, about May. Uh, it was called The Wogan Show. And I was very well known from television and the Green Party and uh, suddenly it hit the media that strange things were happening to me. So they had me on this show, and from literally a minute, two minutes in, the studio audience, it was a live interview, the studio audience were laughing.
0: Just let me me say this. They're laughing at you. They're not laughing with you.
1: pretty much laughed for the next fifteen minutes and it got a phenomenal audience because of all the the publicity uh, running up to it about what's happened to this guy and I then went through uh, levels of ridicule that 's almost hard to for most people to imagine I couldn't walk down any street in Britain without being laughed at wow and and the more my uh, if I went into a bar forget it uh, and And you think, well, that was a terrible thing. But, you know, I have this phrase I use. um, Life tends to give you your greatest gifts brilliantly disguised as your worst nightmare. And what that did, it could have destroyed me. Of course it could. But what it did was set me free because it set me free of the fear that most people live in. And that's the fear of what other people think. When you're under that historic level of ridicule, it went on for years. My kids were laughed at at school. It was everywhere. You can get away with it, you, uh, away from it. You, you turn on the television and a comedian would be using you as, a, as, as, as their prop for a joke. Um, and, but it set me free because when you go through those levels of ridicule, it either destroys you or you come out honed yeah. through the fire uh uh as steel when you let go of the fear of what other people think it is a freedom that it's hard to, well it's impossible to imagine until you've been through it because suddenly you're not saying things based on what will people think of me if i say this you're not going through the mental gymnastics of what do i leave out or what do i say so this person thinks i'm i'm like okay and not crazy you lose all that. You open your mouth and you say what you think, and you know there, there's the level of us, what I call body mind, that directly interacts with this reality. And then there's other levels of us beyond that, beyond the simulation, that know the big picture and see the big picture. And if you yeah. if you open to that, then you can be guided by it. It's not some other entity sitting on a cloud it's another level of you another level of your consciousness and and if you if you if you're free to speak your
0: mind that frees your mind up to think what you need to think because you will if you're afraid to speak you will center yourself in your own mind exactly that
1: when you when you when you set yourself free that's real freedom when you set yourself free
0: May I I tell you my Obama story really quickly? I was a mainstream television newscaster for many years. And in Hawaii, the uh, media here worshipped Obama because he had gone to school here. They thought he could do no wrong. They loved him. Whenever he came to town, it was wall-to-wall coverage. And before he was sworn in as president, he was president-elect, his grandmother died. And he came for the funeral and it was going to be very private. We knew he was on the island and I was sent out, like they said, find Obama. That is your goal for the day. And they were giving us no information. We thought, where would the, would the what cemetery would the uh, service be held at? We're all calling all our sources. And someone called me up and said, Dick. Obama is coming. My house is right next to the church. The Secret Service just came. I swear to God, this is going to happen. And my backyard is 50 feet from where he's going to be coming. So I went to his house. And sure enough, there was the Secret Service, and Obama was on the way. And at this point, I was pretty much awake. I'd followed your work. I'd been doing remote viewing for a number of years, and I knew the world was not as it seemed. And so I didn't want to surprise the Secret Service. So I showed them, I said, excuse me, here's my ID. I'm a news crew. I'm on public, uh, private property. We're going to take a shot. And they said, you can't do that. I said, you can't send me away from here. Obama came and I saw him in a very private moment when he didn't know he was being observed. And I saw, because of my intuitive abilities, utter darkness. I saw the blackness of his soul and it just chilled me to the bones and we got a call from the assignment desk got a call from the from the white house and they said you leave there immediately so we did and we got our shot so some months later obama was coming in on air force 1 and we were covering that live and the producers as soon as they see air force 1 they go oh there's the plane go live and it takes several minutes for it to taxi up to him to come out. So I knew I would have to fill a time. And I had like four minutes of inane bullshit to, you know, Obama and his wife are coming for the APEC convention. They'll be staying at the such and such, and they'll be meeting so and so, and the governor's here. And so he came down the steps and he greeted the dignitaries and I was speaking live and and covering the event. And then he peeled off and he went and he started shaking hands with uh, military. And there was this one on for like five minutes, and the producer said, Oh, that's great. Keep on that. Keep on that. Keep talking. And I had run out of inane bullshit to sling. And what was going through my mind was the truth that I knew about Obama. And I was just, it, it just was hitting me like I should be telling the truth about this man, knowing that I would be a national disgrace and lose my job. And I didn't tell the truth, but I knew that I could no longer do that job, and I—I uh, I wasn't a professional newscast. I'd been 34 years' career, and it ended after that. And now I'm doing something where I can speak my mind and
1: speak the truth, and I have a better life. So, yeah, yeah, it's an incredible freedom, and I'm not at all surprised, you. What you felt about Obama. I mean Yeah. While we're on the
0: subject of politicians, we only have a couple more minutes. I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I could talk to you all day. President Trump, in your your previous book, previous to the trap, and that's the one I'm reading right now, you explain the purpose of Trump. What was what was his the greater purpose and was he aware of his role? Is it he just his ego that he likes being the center of attention? Or does he really know that he is uh, meant to be divisive? What well, what, well,
1: what role did Trump play? Well, when, when you look at his background, um, I mean, he is not uh, outside. Roy his. Cohn. He's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's not. Uh, outside the elite is kind of in it. And what I said in 2016 when he was uh, running for office and we were coming towards the point where he, he won, I said, look, ask yourself how he's got to this position. We're told that the Republican Party can't stand him and doesn't want him. And we saw through the WikiLeaks revelations that the Democratic Party was uh, manipulating the situation in the Democratic um, presidential candidate election to make sure Hillary Clinton won and not Bernie Sanders. Okay, so why why can't and why wouldn't the Republican Party do the same? They have the power to do that, to manipulate the vote, to manipulate the perception. Why didn't they do it? And he started out with, uh, with the best part of 20 candidates against him. And once he ended up getting the nomination, it was obvious to me that he was an appointed one. And uh, so I said that, and it wasn't very popular in the alternative media at the time. But again, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I don't, they do things for popularity. I say things because I believe them to be true. The people don't have to accept that and, and go along with it. But uh, they... Um, they at least they know when I open my mouth that I'm saying what I honestly believe, and when you look at um, the way that uh, communism works and such manipulation, and you look at um, the the book about um, rules for radicals, uh, uh, which was by a, a, a communist uh, from uh, Chicago who was, uh, he was read by Obama and read and um, eulogized about by Hillary Clinton and uh, Pelosi. Uh, he talks about the fact that when you want to transform a society, what you do is you don't attack faceless bureaucracies and faceless corporations. What you do is you pick one individual and you target everything at him Uh, and you blame him for everything and what you're looking to do is to personalize everything and the thing about trump with that personalization uh, 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 of, of attack it becomes very divisive because what you get and this was the plan all along to completely divide america You get people who vehemently support him and you get people who vehemently hate him. It's this division they're looking for. And
0: people are at each other's throats. Even family members are fighting each other. Exactly.
1: So he's been used as a divisive um, force. Now, does he know that? Probably not in totality, but he'll be aware that um, uh, what is happening is not what is actually happening, or what seems to be happening is not actually what's happening in relation to him. And so he has been the figure that they've used to focus everything on to divide America, because you've got the woke mentality that completely consumes the uh, Democratic Party now, which is a global cult, elite, billionaire creation. They've taken over the schools, they've taken over the universities. And they've created this woke mentality, which is another way of saying, I haven't got an original thought in my head, only what I'm told to think. Yeah. And at the same time, what they've done is um, they've created this division between the wokers and the at different levels, yes, but the awakers in terms of... At some level, the Awakers are aware that things are not as they should be. Some people are way awake, some people less awake, but they're all aware something's not right and what they're being told is not true. And in that way, they have not only created great division, they have isolated and uh, brought to attention, if you like, the Awakers. Because that's why they equate Awakers with Trump supporters. Yeah. So... Once you've kind of got this group of people supporting Trump, um, you have a target. You can see your target. And so things like January the 6th and all these other things, all this white supremacy, uh, if you look at who they're targeting, it's the awakers. It's people who are aware they're being lied to. So January the 6th, of course, was completely manipulated uh, with federal agents and agencies involved in it. It's been completely overblown in terms of an insurrection. And they have used it to demonize that awake uh, grouping called Trump supporters. And... uh, so now, if you're a Trump supporter, you're a white supremacist, uh, and of course, many many Trump supporters, awakers, are not white at all. But it doesn't matter because it's you just tar everyone with the same brush. You're, a, yeah. you're either uh, a white supremacist or you are a, a, a supporter. You black person of white supremacy, uh, uh, supremacism, and so in so many ways, um, the Trump period has um, given the cult what it wanted, this division, this uh, conflict between two... Well, basically, conflict between half of America and half of America, in effect. And, you know, uh, what I say to people is don't listen to the words, not just of Trump, of anybody. Look at the actions. And, you know, this whole fake (laughs) synthetic vaccine was... Supported by Trump, indeed, even after the oh yeah, started to become known. He was telling his supporters at rallies, "You should have the vaccine." And what really I think summed it up was who he pardoned at the end of his presidency in the last few days. He pardoned uh, a group of crooks, deeply crooked people. Several of them connected, including his father, to um, Yared Kushner, his uh, Trump's son-in-law, yeah, and he didn't pardon Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. He could, have, he could have stood up for freedom there and said, I'm letting these people go because they've served the interests of the population by exposing the, what's going on, and I'm not going to have them in jail for exposing and, and serving the public interest with what they did. But he didn't. He ignored them. And so Assange now is heading for America, it seems.
0: Before I let you go, I need to ask you about cryptocurrency. Um, Money itself is a magic spell. And I think Bitcoin is an incredible magic spell. You have something that doesn't exist. When you have a crypto wallet, there's nothing in it. It's a computer code that lives on various nodes of computers around the world when it was first when this code was first let out it was free they were giving it away it was worth nothing then it became worth a few cents and a few dollars last year the market cap the value of bitcoin was over a trillion dollars almost a trillion and a half dollars and it's something that is only a computer code uh is that not magic there are people in the bitcoin community and i don't subscribe to this belief that they think it's their way to overthrow the bankers to overthrow the financial system and it's my view that it is a greater control mechanism i i think people will make a lot of money on cryptocurrencies and we advise and we advocate for them but i don't think they're uh they're going to bring about your freedom which what's your stance on cryptocurrency
1: well personally i've never gone there um uh because i think the 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 potential pitfalls are massive i'd like to know who actually uh supposedly created it it wasn't it wasn't a guy named satoshi uh well um it has for me every sign of a um a cult scam, you know, it's what I call the fishing line, um, the fishing line technique, you put the fishing line out and when it's going out, everything seems fantastic. And then you pull it in and suddenly things are not so fantastic. And you're dealing with uh, something, you've just described it very well, extremely tenuous. It's just a computer program. It's just a computer system. Well,
0: program. yeah, it's just as tenuous as the US dollar.
1: That's made out of nothing. Exactly. And, and also, you know, people have lost crypto fortunes because they've lost their wallet or something. They've lost yeah. their ability to uh, access it. Uh, and, you know, if something looks like, you know, it's too good to be true, it usually isn't. And you know, these, uh, this this cult that controls the world financial system is not going to let a rogue system uh, emerge to the extent that it has, unless it has a, um, a pull the plug um, ability to deal with it. And uh, you know, we've seen cryptocurrency drop quite dramatically in um, in in value. But what is value? What is value of anything? What is value of money, commodities, whatever? Value is only what people will pay for it in the moment. That's that's value. I mean, mean, when circumstances change, they'll pay something else. They'll pay more or they'll pay a lot less for the same thing because value Mm -hmm. is another expression of perception. Your perception of something's value dictates what you'll pay for it. Or, what it's worth? well, the the
0: as you stated earlier, human beings were organized into families and then tribal and then cities and then nation states. and the controllers now want to put us under a global control, and so you have a global monetary system. Uh, the The proponents of cryptocurrency say, well, it's borderless, it's global, it's decentralized. Well, then how do you, and they're the ones that are standing up saying, we need to reclaim America. How do you have a, a functional nation state without a currency? So it's the purpose of cryptocurrency is to be global in nature. But, yeah, well,
1: you make a good point there because, you know, when crypto started, that was immediately my concern. I looked at what this cult wants. It wants a digital, one world, no cash currency uh, and to be able to um, control people by controlling that currency. It wants a currency with no borders. It wants a a currency that's centrally controlled and a currency that it controls in terms of whether it goes up in value or down. And and every transaction can be monitored in real time. And I looked at crypto, and I thought, well, okay, you, you're saying this is a way out of the system, but it sounds exactly like the cult wants for the world currency. Yeah. Everything that it is, it wants. Now, it might argue that oh, they, 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 the, the way they do it is a bit different, but it's the same system and it's moving away from cash and cash is very very important i mean you saw in the uh, very early on in the covid era that ted ross this cult clone at the world health organization announces that uh, you might get covid from which oh, dirty dirty money don't touch it yeah and so suddenly within days i'm going to little kiosks on railway stations that be no, no cash, only cash. Now no cash yeah. for a cup of coffee, and 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 I said to someone, it's funny. Uh, and I said to someone in a, in a, uh, some supermarket staff once. They they what they were doing is they if you wanted to pay cash, they were giving you a little like bowl to put your cash in, and then they were pouring <laughs> it in the till, um, and. Uh, this is, in, you know, the height of the COVID hysteria. And I said to the people at the supermarket, I said, "Why are you doing that?" They said, "Oh, because you might get COVID off the off the paper." I said, "Well, why are you selling newspapers then?" Right? They're selling newspapers at the supermarket. Yeah. And then no. me- me- remember the newspapers? They said, "Yeah, you can get COVID off off uh, paper money." Oh, but you can't get it off newspapers. Well, how do you work that one out? Oh, you sell newspapers. That's yeah, how you work it out, and so th- this targeting. In fact, I, I brought a book out in 1993 called "Robots Rebellion," and um, I said there the idea is to have no cash and a one-world no-cash currency, and that's exactly what's what what's happening. And you know, I, I think crypto plays into that because you know, if you've got uh, cash, then you can. Do uh, money transactions uh, outside the system, but if you're doing it electronically, you can't. It doesn't matter that people say, "Oh, crypto is different." They can't get at it. Well, how do you know the scale of uh, cyber capacity and potential that they actually have? It's way beyond what you think it is. Oh yeah, and they're not gonna—they're not gonna just let you do this unless they—they they have a. a, a a plug pulling mechanism to play at some point. So for me, what we should be defending is cash and cash currencies in different countries. See, this is what the euro is all about. I, you know, when I was when I was growing up, and you know, when I was not so bloody young, you had the Gilder in uh, the Netherlands, you had the um, the franc in. Uh, um, In France, you had the lira in Italy. All these countries had their own currency. And then they brought in the euro, and the euro was not an end. Of course, it wasn't an end. It was a stepping stone. It it, it, um, mopped up all those former European individual currencies and became one currency. And the idea is that becomes a digital currency. And when you've got people like Tony Blair, when he opens his mouth, the cult is speaking, and there are no exceptions, by the way, then he's saying that what we need is a, a digital currency. Gates is saying we need a digital currency, uh, and and so it's it's hard to see more and more how crypto is uh, an alternative to what the cult wants anyway.
0: Yeah, we're going to a we're going to a new digital administration system. They have caused us by design to lose faith in every institution, religion finance, medicine, uh, news media, government, people are fed up with it all, and they're going to be willing to accept a new digital uh, master digital ID. We can go on and on about that. But for now, thank you for your time, David Icke. Uh, It's been an honor to speak with you. And for our subscribers and everyone listening, go to davidike.com. Get his new book and read some of his older books. Uh, It is. uh, Each one is just packed with so much excellent information.
1: You're a great man. Thank you for your work. Thank you, mate. And uh, just a a quick point um, about um, what you just said. Um, They want an end to countries. They want one, one world. Centralized global dictatorship. No countries, just administrative regions of the global. Uh, and, uh, the global. And you uh,
0: people in this system are going to be either a consumer. That will be the lowest level. That will be measured by your carbon consumption and your carbon output and your caloric consumption. So you will be a consumer. Or you will be a participant with a greater level of uh, freedom and autonomy. And at the highest rung, you'll be a producer if you are producing excess calories and you have carbon credits. It's all designed, and it's all going to be based on access management through your um, digital ID. And you're going to be a a node on the Internet of Things, and it's all going to be controlled. And it's they're. They're forcing us into this. Exactly,
1: and the the point that I would make about wanting an end to countries is that this COVID era has caused countries on purpose to print fantastic amounts of money to pay out in uh, COVID responses, that um, the countries are bankrupt. Um, And so you're bankrupting countries, so you can come forward and say, this is just an irretrievable mess. We must have a new system completely. And you're also turning the population against the country. So I keep saying, okay, challenge your government, but realize your government is a, a vehicle they're not actually generating this. I mean, anyone thinks Biden's running anything, including his own mind. There is thing.
0: Yeah.
1: It's this cult. And this is the this is the kind of scam that's being planned. All blame, if you don't know the big picture, is focused by the population on their national government. And their national government is an expression of this cult. When the whole national government situation collapses, not least through bankruptcy, this which has orchestrated it all, then comes forward and says, We have a way of getting out of this. I mean, it's like Klaus Schwab talking, it's exactly what he does. We have a way of getting out of this. We must do this, we must do that, we must do this, which will be exactly the system they've planned all along. So it's really important that people focus on this cult and its agents like Swab and Gates and all the rest of them, uh, Soros, and don't get caught in it's all the um, fault of national governments. Yes, it is, but as vehicles for this cult, not as the originators of the chaos and catastrophe. You and I are old
0: enough that we've seen in America oh, the Democrats are in power. We need change. So we'll elect the Republicans. So we have George Bush, the first. And oh, we need change. We need this fresh young guy, Bill Clinton. He comes in. It's all the same. The agenda rolls on. George Bush Jr. comes in. Oh, we need hope and change. Let's go for Obama. And then, oh, we're going to get back to Americanism. Let's get Trump in. And it just goes back and forth and nothing ever changes. They, yeah, they yeah. put uh, conservative members on the Supreme Court and they vote for the liberals
1: because they're told from above what to do. Exactly. And when you understand this, you understand the world. And i just finally give you an example of the irrelevance of politics and stupidity of it. I was in Ukraine speaking in. Um, in 2010. And the president of Ukraine at that time, was a man called Yanukovych. Mm -hmm. Yanukovych was the man who was ousted in a revolution, the Orange Revolution, in 2004, and someone else was brought in. So they brought the new man in, in the revolution, which America and people like Soros were all behind. And they didn't like him. They didn't like what he did. Mm -hmm. So they get to the next election, and so to get rid of the of, of the guy they put in in the revolution, they had to vote for the other party. Who was still heading the other party? Yanukovych.
0: Yeah.
1: So they voted him. They ousted in the Orange Revolution. They voted him back into office. Yeah. And then, of course, along came um, the uh, – situation with um, the revolution again 2014 was it that was orchestrated by people like victoria newland the uh, wife of the creator of the or co-founder of the project for the new american century and people will know all about that and yanukovych was ousted again and he's now in in russia so you know it's so ludicrous that yeah now they've got the actor Zelensky. Oh, yeah. But the system is so ludicrous that you oust someone in a revolution and then you vote him back. Why? Because to get rid of the guy you put in and don't like, that's, all, that's what you have to do. This is the ludicrous yeah. thing. You know, you, you want rid of one cult operative, then you must vote for this cult operative. This yeah. is what it's like. And when you realize that, you realize that political change is going to change nothing unless it comes from You know, someone who bucks the system and and gets in there and really uh, is real. Um, But overwhelmingly, it's not political change; it's perceptual change. Because a few can't control the many unless the many acquiesce to what the few demand. Yeah. So if people just say, "No, I'm not doing it. I'm not cooperating with it," then this this cult has no power. This cult's power is in people acquiescing to the agents and front, men and women for the cult. And if we stop, it's over. But people have this, Well, people hold on to this? If we want change, we've got to have political change. All oh, right, I want to make a difference. What shall I do? Oh, I'll start a new political party. It's gonna change nothing, mate. What's going to change is when the population says, we're not having it, we're not doing it, go away. And then, We'll see where the power is, and it's not with the few. It's always been with the many. Do you think there are enough people waking up? Are there enough people waking up that you believe there's a chance for that to happen? I'm very optimistic, actually, and I'll tell you why I'm optimistic. Um, I understand why people look at the world and they say, um, why aren't more people waking up? Why can't more people see it? Well, they're talking to me, Right. Um, in 1990, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, on and on and on and on, virtually no one wanted to know. I was talking to empty chairs night after night after night around the world, never mind in this country alone. Um, and now it's fantastic, the number of people who are aware, who um, when something happens, i tell, I tell you what I've, I've, I've noticed, I don't read the comments uh, on articles very much, But I've started to recently for this reason. There's been a dramatic change. When you um, look at the comments on articles, say about COVID, for instance, and the latest announcement of the World Health Organization or whatever, in the spring of 2020, 2021, You'll see them, oh, anti-vaxxers, they're horrible, they're sinister, they're horrible, they're killing people. Oh, people are work social distance are killing people. People are work wear masks are killing people. And you see them now. It's, I mean, the dramatic change. Oh, yeah, you're, I, know, I can see why you're doing this. You're doing it for that, aren't you? Oh, yeah, you want us to believe uh, you, uh, you on this when you've been lying to us? It's changed. And for every person who speaks out publicly, increasingly a challenge because of the censorship. There are enormous numbers of people who get it. And what we've got to do to overturn this, we will overturn it, is to get those people to move from seeing it to stopping cooperating with it. And then the game's over. It is over. There's nothing, nowhere to go. And they know that, and that's why they're so nervous. Well, David,
0: I'll tell you what, um, for the people listening, put a comment below and I will copy those comments and email them to David Ike. So he can see your reactions. Thank you for your time. It's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. I hope to be able to do it again sometime in the future. Thank you for all your work. And, uh, I'll order your new book today. I had that quote, uh, that you mentioned from your previous book from the rules for radical, uh, What a great mind you have, because this was a book you wrote a year ago, and you had it almost word for word, uh, speaking of Trump and how the uh, radicals, how the controllers would use him. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. Don't try to attack abstract concepts or bureaucracies. Identify a responsible individual. Ignore attempts to shift the blame. And that's exactly what they do.
1: Yeah. Thank you that was written by a guy called Saul Alinsky, Alinsky. operated out of Chicago, and he was a, a guru for many of the usual suspects. Yeah,
0: thanks again for your time. Uh, keep up the good work, thanks, and uh, I look forward to reading your new book and seeing more work from you. I've followed Thank you, you for many years. Thank you. Aloha.
1: Bye, mate. Bye. The whole basis of the manipulation is to divide us. And it's to get us to judge each other, to hate each other, to envy each other, to compete with each other. It's to confuse people, especially the young, about their gender, who weren't confused before. That's what it's about.
0: A lot of people don't carry cash anymore, and they're not grabbing credit cards either. Instead, they're using their smartphones.
1: A currency that wouldn't be cash, it would be merely electronic, for which there are fundamental implications for human freedom. The United States is preparing for a war against Russia through Ukraine, and what they plan is to try to take Crimea back. The idea for this third world war is to involve Russia and China against the West. Stage one, you create a problem. It could be uh, a manufactured virus. You want a reaction, and you want them to either say, do something, or you want them to accept what the authorities suggest must be done. So one of the agendas is to massively cull the population. They want to reduce the numbers.